All right, so we're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians. This week, Philippians chapter 3. All right, so let's do a little bit of reviewing. The way I see it is uh, the theme of Philippians is really found in Philippians 1, where Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Really, the entire book of Philippians is focusing in on Jesus Christ. And and the outline of Philippians, as I see it, is uh, basically in Philippians 1, Paul says, for me, to live is Christ. I mean, that is what my life is about. It's becoming like Christ. Then in Philippians 2, he shows us, well, fine, if me to live is Christ, then what is Christ? How did Christ live? And he says, you know, we should have the mind of Christ who did not grasp onto his God-likeness and took the form of a man, became a slave, and humbled himself and took the most humbling possible death on a cross. That's what it means to live like Christ. And today, our theme is putting our confidence in Christ. And then and next Sunday, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremy, <laughs> it's close, is going to talk about life in Christ, what it means to live a practical life now that we're in Christ. So anyway, my theme then is putting our confidence in Christ. So let's get right into the text, Philippians 3, verse 1. <coughs> Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. So Paul says we need to rejoice in the Lord. Now, Philippians is a book about rejoicing in the Lord, right? But actually, this, this verse here is not so much a commandment to rejoice. That's Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. So if you're looking for the sort of commandment to rejoice, which is, that's not a tough thing to do, so it's kind of nice being able to rejoice. Really, that's Philippians 4. Here he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, what are you going to rejoice in? What are you going to put your confidence in? So I want to ask you just a a pretty simple rhetorical question is, what do you rejoice in? What gets you excited? What gets you fired up? Now, in the context, he's talking about kind of a negative topic. Look at the next verse here. I mean, you know, look at the next verse. Let's read verse... In fact, I'm going to reread verse 1 because we need that rejoicing. Then I'm going to read verse 2 and 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Those men who do evil. Those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we are worshipped by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Alright, so who are these dogs? Who are these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh? Well, what he's talking about is, these are Christians, by the way, who were putting their confidence in their Jewishness. Or in their religiosity, if you will. They were putting their confidence in who they were. Rather than in who Christ is. He calls them mutilators of the flesh. It's pretty strong. I mean, Paul, he's ticked off. 
He's, he's pretty upset. I mean, circumcision, calling that mutilating flesh? I mean, you know, circumcision? Wow! What gets you angry? What, what made Paul angry? What made Paul angry is when we rely on ourselves and our accomplishments for greatness instead of relying on Christ. What made Jesus angry? Jesus got angry at times. If there's a couple of places, one place, Jesus got really angry in Matthew 18 because people wouldn't forgive other people. That got Jesus upset. And he says, if you're not going to forgive other people, then God is not going to forgive you. And he says, take that guy and throw him out into the darkness. You know, I, I think it's worth asking what we get upset about. The fact that the top wasn't put on the toothpaste? Alright, the person who cut you off on the road? The fact that nobody noticed the good thing you did? The fact that you weren't treated fairly? Guess what we tend to get angry about? Things that have to do with ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you've heard about righteous anger. I'm sure my anger is righteous Less than 10% of the time, all right? I'm sure it is. But what gets you angry? I think, you know, there's different kinds of righteous anger. The other thing that got Jesus angry is people who were uh, dragging, basically teaching false doctrine and, and, and making people the slaves of the law. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, calling them brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. I mean, uh, Jesus got just a little bit upset there, I would say. At those who were basically being religious, but weren't really putting Christ and putting God first. And and then Paul says, you know, we need to rejoice in the Lord, not in those things. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not like God doesn't want us to experience feeling good about the things we've done. It's not like we, we should never, ever be happy that God was able to use us for something. But the question is, ultimately, what are you finding your fulfillment in? And then Paul says, those dudes, those Jewish Christians who are rejo- rejoicing in how awesome and amazing they are, they're, and, and even the, the Jews who are not Christians, who've been circumcised, says, we are the true circumcision. We, in Christ, we are the true circumcision. Uh, we can see that in Colossians. We'll just go to a really quick, it's not hard to find Philippians, Colossians, it's just a couple pages over. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. What's he mean? I mean, well, that's interesting. We are the true circumcision. All right? And by we, he means Christians, obviously. Uh, Colossians 2, 11 there. It says, in him, in who? In Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of, of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God to raise him from the dead. See, when we are baptized into Christ, we became the true circumcision, the true people of God. Being Following the law, being righteous, legalistic righteousness does not save us. 
Uh, Romans 2, a similar thought. Romans 2, starting in verse 28. Romans 2. Starting in verse 28. Uh, Here Paul says, A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. So, uh, we need to ask ourselves, where do you find satisfaction? Do you find satisfaction in how many times you share your faith? Do you find satisfaction in the fact that you happen to be maybe in the right church? Do you find your satisfaction in you know, the number of people that like you, even in the church? Do you find your satisfaction in the things you do? By the way, God wants you to, to get joy from those things. That, that, I don't want to exaggerate here. God wants you to experience joy, but the joy should come through being in Christ. Through the fact that we, we have become part of Christ, we've joined Christ, we've been included in Christ when we're baptized into Christ. So we are the true circumcision. Alright? We put no confidence in the flesh. Alright? And those who put confidence in the flesh, I mean, Paul's using strong words there, he calls them dogs. Well, we're all tempted to be that way, aren't we? And then Paul goes on, he does something really very surprising. He's saying, look, our joy is not based on how amazing we are. And then he goes on and he gives his resume about how amazing he is. That's strange. Let's read that. All right, back in Philippians 3. Philippians 3. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul says, if our joy, if our place with God was based on being spiritually awesome, he said, I got a resume, better resume than anybody here. <laughs> you know, I think of Paul as kind of like Solomon. Solomon tried it. Basically, Solomon represents whether or not the world can give you joy or pleasure. Solomon had more riches than everybody in the room here combined. He had more accomplishments. He was a king. That's pretty awesome. He had armies. He was wise. He was considered the wisest man in Israel. And he said, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. So basically, Solomon's saying, folks, been there, done that. It's empty. But Paul's resume is a little bit different one. Paul's resume is in being spiritually awesome and being religious. And, you know, if being spiritually amazing and having great understanding of the Bible and, you know, being, you know, all this amazing thing, if that was the source of joy, then Paul would have said, I would add it. All right? 
And yet, let's see what Paul has to say about his amazing spiritual accomplishments. By the way, I, nothing wrong with spiritual accomplishments. It, you know, just like, remember the ads, you know, the, the, the guys with the little kids, which is better, more or less? Remember those a couple years ago? The, the guy with the little kids, and the kids say, more is better, right? And which is better, to have God use you to do great things or to not have God use you to do great things? Well, that's, that's not a hard question. But that's not what Paul's talking about. What is he talking about? Let's read it. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what's more, I consider everything a loss compared to surpassing greatness of of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain from the resurrection of the dead. I mean, Paul was the student of Gamaliel. He had a Th.D., He was the most religiously trained, supposedly from the religious perspective, awesome guy in the world. He said, I look at that stuff, garbage. What do you mean garbage? He says, by comparison. By comparison to knowing God. The things of the flesh. Where do you find your fulfillment from? Is it from being in Christ? Can you say to the things of the world, trash? In fact, the Greek word is a little stronger than actually. Uh, I, I, you know, it's an impolite word almost. It, it borders on an impolite word, what he calls it. Yeah. All right, that's what he said compared to knowing Christ. Yeah. See, that's what it's about. That's why we're here, yeah. is to know Christ, to have fellowship with him. To be in him. So here's a mathematical formula. Jew plus Benjamite plus Pharisee plus top 2% righteous plus top 2% devoted is worth zero. In fact, you know what? He actually said, if I would do an inequality, is less than zero. He says, I count it as loss. You know, many of those things, Paul literally gave them up. Being a Pharisee, you know, he's not a very good Pharisee anymore. You know, he's kind of, his Phariseeness is kind of, uh, kind of on the outs there a little bit. You know? Some of the things he willingly gave up, other things honestly were taken from him. But he said, those things weren't that valuable anyway. Alright? In fact, it's interesting, man at his worst, that's flesh. But you know what? Man at his best, that's also flesh. Man by our own achievements, that's the flesh. Here's how I think about it. Now, a lot of us, we work in jobs where you've got like a sort of like a software system, like an accounting system or something like that. And you know, they do one of these upgrades, you know, and they announce it. Some of you can't relate, but you know, I work at a college. We have this kind of stuff, all right? So they start announcing it six months ahead. We're going to have this upgrade and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You got to get ready and get for the new system and all that kind of stuff. And you got to learn the new system. 
And then, and once you get the new system, everything's, well, ever since we got the new system, we got, for us, it's, I think it's colleague or something like that. That other thing, whatever. But that's kind of like us as Christians. When we become Christians, we have a brand new software system, a brand new accounting system. It's based on Christ. On knowing Him. On being in Him. But is that how you take account of things? Is that, is that how you think about it? Paul could say this, and he could say it with great confidence. And, and the people around him knew that. <coughs> it's kind of like Isaiah 64, verse 6, where Isaiah says, All of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Not, not that the righteous deeds are bad, they're good. But they're not going to earn us a place with God for eternity. Our place with God in eternity is found in Christ. So my question is, what do you value? What do you count as important? What do you rejoice in? Paul said, I rejoice in one thing and one thing alone. That's being found in Christ. Now, I I guarantee you, he found joy in other things. Are you kidding? I mean, later on in in 2 Timothy, I fought the fight, I finished the race, and and he says, you are my joy and my crown, and and, and other places. But basically, it's these things produce joy in Christ. He says, I want to know him. My question to you is, how badly do you want to know Christ? Paul says, I just want to know him. The word is gnosko, which is a deep, intimate knowledge. The equivalent word in the Old Testament would be yada, which is to know. And yada was a euphemism for sex, basically. It says, uh, Adam knew Eve. And you know what we're talking about, right? And Paul says, I want to have that deep, intimate experience of Christ. To know him. To know what he's like. And to feel safety found, not from my own works, but found in him. That is that true feeling of safety. That's that true feeling of coming home. That is our true citizenship. How? Well, it says it right here. I want to know him, uh, not having a righteousness of my own, not like those dogs, right? Not having a righteousness of my own, uh, but the righteousness comes by God and is by faith. There's that faith. The, faith. the faith is knowing that God is imparting righteousness to us. God sees us as righteous. He sees us already as we are not actually yet. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of the sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's what Paul wanted. He wanted power in his life. All of us want power in our lives. Of course we do. But where's that power come from? It comes from the resurrection. Now, that's some pretty awesome power. All right, you know, uh, you know we got... Power, we got electrical power, we got all kinds of different kinds of power. But how about resurrection power? I mean, we're having our Easter service like, I guess, one week early because we're talking about the resurrection, right? Paul said that's real power. The power that can make what is dead 
alive. And all of us were dead in our uncircumcision, right? Of our sinful nature. But Paul says somehow, somehow, to know this power that comes from the resurrection. And, and it's kind of interesting. He says here, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Now it sounds, if, 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 you, if you look at it, it sounds like he's saying, you know, maybe, possibly, somehow, maybe I'll, I'll attain to the resurrection. But that's not what he's saying. If you go back to Philippians 1, he says, you know what, I think God's going to keep me here for a while. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because either way, I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and Paul, Paul says even about them, you know, I know that God is going to bring to completion the things he started in you. So what Paul's saying is, oh, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. I just don't know exactly how it's going to happen. Maybe I'll die tomorrow. Maybe I'll be thrown in prison. Maybe I'll have 30 more years of service in the kingdom. But I don't know, one way or another... So you, you see, it, you see what I mean. It almost sounds like he's saying, you know, maybe, hopefully, somehow. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, by some means, don't know how, don't know where God's going to take me, but all I know is this: I'm going to be raised from the dead. That is power. That is the power that comes from knowing Christ. And then let's read on a little bit here. How am I doing? Resurrection power. I've practically been keeping up with the PowerPoint. Uh, Jan always reminds me. She gives me these signals because I need to be reminded. Great. So let's go to verse 12 through 14. Thank you, Jan. Really, I need that, honestly. All right. Let's read verse 12, and, uh, 12 through 14. Not that I've already attained all this. Not that I've already been made perfect, but I Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, you know, I haven't arrived yet. Uh, when will we arrive? Well, when we die, all right? At the end of that road, you die, you, you know, you're in Christ, the Lamb's Book of Life, you, you, you kind of, you're in like Flint, you know, it's, it's, you're good to go. But Paul says, in the meantime, I'm going to press on. I'm, I'm going to make every effort. Now, why is he making every effort, Hebrews chapter 4? Uh, so he can get to heaven? No. Basically, he says, because I want to become what Christ already sees me as. It's that kind of already but not yet thing there. I mean, because God looks at us, he says, right, I mean, think about in, in 2 Peter 2. He says, Lot, a righteous man. Lot, a righteous man? I don't know. I, I look at Lot, not so righteous. This is so awesome. God looks at you and me and he says, righteous. Perfect. Oh man, I look at myself, I go, I've got, a, I've got a ways to go here. That's the beauty of it though. Because that's what it means to be in Christ. Because if we're found in Him, we've been made righteous. And then it's just a matter of working to live up to that to the extent we can. But we never will. But it's okay because God has already made us that. That's the awesomeness of it. We're simply, the Christian life is a process of doing the best we can to become what Christ has already made us and views us 
as there's freedom there. There, there's the motivation there. The motivation is Christ. But really, all we're becoming is what God has already made us. So Paul says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to pursue righteousness. I'm going to forget what is behind. There's a lot of mistakes back there. There's a lot of dumb things you've done. You've made a fool of yourself. I've made a fool of myself many, many times. He says, that doesn't matter. Because I'm in Christ. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to, to bring the gospel to as many nations as possible. And then verse 15, verse 15, verse 15 and 16 says, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we've already obtained. So, you know, what people say, well, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, what about, uh, I don't know, uh, the, this doctrine, or what about this one little thing in the Bible that I haven't proved yet, or what about the fact that our leaders actually made some mistakes? What about these other people? Are they Christians? Or are they not Christians? What about the person in outer Mongolia who hasn't read the Bible yet? What about it? You know, what, what, is, what does it matter? We're in Christ. It, it, Paul's like, it's, not, it's just not that important. You know, there were people who didn't agree with Paul. There's even the mutilators of the flesh, you know, the dogs. You know, he says, hey, look, let's not worry about that. You know, we, we, let's just keep busy doing the things that we already know to do. All right, let's live up to what we already obtained. Well, what about this other thing? What about this? What about this Unity 3.0, ICOC 3.0? What, what all this sort of stuff? The politics. There's politics. Yes, even in the church. What about the imperfections? Say, well, let's just keep busy doing the things we already know how to do. How about, let's love one another. You know, can, can we uh, the, the, keep the, kind of the base? Kind of like Aaron talked about, you know, the, the sort of the basic faith. How, how about the things we all agree on? I think we all agree on that Jesus is Lord, all right? We all agree on the fact that the world is lost. We all agree on the, on the basic uh, mission that we have, which is to seek and save the lost. So let's just... Keep busy doing that stuff. That's right. We're in Christ. Luckily, our righteousness is not based on whether we have the exact perfect doctrine on something. Or even on whether or not we make some silly mistakes as we make silly mistakes all the time. And So Paul has a sense of confidence here. He said, God will take care of it. Do you see it that way? Are you like, well, what about this? And what about that? What about the other thing? What about my health? What about my job? What about what this person thinks about me? What about the fact that I did this and I get credit for it? What about the fact that this person said this about me and it wasn't true? Paul said, well, let's just press on. Why? Because isn't it about knowing Christ? Isn't that where our righteousness comes? Through knowing Him, through being found in Him? Not through our spiritual resume. And not even through what people think about us. That's just not what it's about. All right? He says, you know, if you're mature, you're going to see it this way. Don't sweat the small stuff. Because the person that's giving you a problem, they agree with you that they want to know Christ. Can't we agree on that? What about the politics? All this kind of stuff. 
Paul says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Actually, the Hebrew writer said that, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Verse 17 through, uh, uh, through 21. Let's read that. Join with others in following my example, brothers. Take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I've often told you before, now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So Paul says, follow my example. Think about me. I mean, I was Jew of Jew, Pharisee of Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin, legalistically perfect virtually in righteousness, and I call kind of all this stuff as garbage and refuse. So follow me. Don't be like those dogs who are mutilating the flesh. Their interest is in their stomach. They're indulged in self. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But we're putting our mind on heavenly things. Paul says, they're seeking the things of the world. I've lost all that stuff. Who's more joyful, me or them? Who's more joyful, those dogs or Paul? Well, that, that's a pretty simple thing to figure out. So Paul says, here's the solution. And Jeremy's going to follow up on this next Sunday. Let's just put our minds on heavenly things. Let's, let's not get caught up in the, the politics outside of the church, inside of the church, or anywhere else. Because we are in Christ. Our citizenship isn't heavy. You know, I, I, I travel around a fair amount. You know, I, I've always been wanting to do this. You know what they say? Do you have anything to declare? I always wanted to say Jesus is Lord. You know, I always wanted to do that. But, you know, if you do that to the passport guy, they'll probably put you in that little office and have a little discussion, you know. All right, you know. But, you know, my passport says I'm an American. And I admit it. When the Olympics come, I root for Americans. All right, I admit that. But you know what? Really, I'm not an American. Spiritually, I'm a Christian. My citizenship is in heaven. I am in Christ. The things that this world values are not what I value. My, my bill of rights is 1 Corinthians 9, which is I give up all those rights. My constitution is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The, the, the Sermon on the Mount. I think the thing that to greatness is through humility. The way to joy is through wisdom and suffering, through through, uh, mourning and suffering. My citizenship is in heaven. And I eagerly await the return of Christ because when Christ comes, it's all going to be revealed for what it is. It is all going to be revealed. It's kind of like there and, you know, they, they laughed at Noah with that ark, right? They laughed, but you know what? When they closed the door and it started raining, nobody's laughing at Noah anymore. It's all going to be revealed. But who are you trusting in right now? See, the theme of Philippians 3 is, who are you putting your confidence in? What are you putting your confidence in? Paul said, to me to live is Christ. And Paul said, all that stuff in the world, it's garbage. And yet in Christ, it has great value. He says, 
I want to know Christ. To share in the fellowship of His sufferings and so somehow, don't know how, but I know it's going to happen, to be raised from the dead. Thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm.